Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. Hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. We click. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slam and Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I'll walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Be sure to go to theathletic.com slash NBA show to get The Athletic for $3.99 a month. With me, as always, is my co-host, Alex Spears. And Alex, tell me what happened in the NBA this week. Well, Andrew, the NBA stars were dueling last week on Friday night. The Sixers beat the Los Angeles Clippers 106-103, a game in which Joel Embiid scored 36 and Paul George scored 37. That's a pretty good duel. But the best duel of the week happened on Saturday night. Steph Curry and Jason Tatum combined for 91 points in a 119-114 victory for the Celtics. On Sunday, we had one of the strangest stories to ever hit NBA Twitter, a catfishing story that combined podcast voice modulation, beginner-level photoshops, and misspelling your own name. Critics say it was the best NBA Twitter story since at least Meet Me in Temecula. On Monday night, the Grizzlies were up by 12 on the Nuggets with four minutes left in regulation. Two overtimes later, MVP frontrunner Nikola Jokic hit a go-ahead three-pointer to give the Nuggets a 139-137 double overtime win. Now, the one good piece of news for the Grizzlies is that this week also saw the long-awaited return of Jaron Jackson Jr. Oh yeah. On Tuesday night, the Timberwolves beat the Sacramento Kings 134 to 120. Why am I talking about a Wolves-Kings game played in April? Did you know, Andrew, that when the Wolves have Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and D'Angelo Russell available this season, they are a 500 team. Pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool. We got to see that game twice this week. I remember watching it the other night and then turning it on the next night. It felt like... I felt like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. I was like, this cannot be happening again. I was honestly preparing to make them my most interesting thing of the week, but then they lost to the Kings, and that's not very interesting. (laughs) No. (laughs) On Wednesday, we learned that James Harden had a setback in his rehab and will be out indefinitely. This follows an earlier Nets game in the week against the Heat in which Kevin Durant had to leave the game early due to a thigh injury. And if you have an NBA podcast, you are now legally required every episode to ask the question, is it time to start worrying about the Nets? Now, at the opposite end of the injury spectrum, Thursday night saw the return of Anthony Davis to the lineup, who has been out for over two months. And then finally, perhaps the best news of the week, we talked about them on episode one of Slam and Jam, how difficult the rest of their season was going to be in terms of scheduling. Despite that schedule, the New York Knicks have won eight games in a row, including three overtime wins, proving the early season success was no fluke. Now, it was a pretty fun week, Andrew, but we would be remiss if we did not bring up the fact that Terrence Clark, the freshman from Kentucky, 
passed away this week in a car accident. He was working out in preparation for uh, the upcoming NBA draft in just a few mm-hmm. months and was with uh, fellow draftee BJ Boston. Um, if, if you haven't done so yet, I would highly encourage you to go read Jared Weiss's article on Terrence. Jared got to know Terrence over these last few years because Terrence was from the Boston area. He was very excited about making a name as a Boston-based player, and there were some really interesting details in that story about over the last few years how Terrence had grown really close to this Celtics organization and had been working out with Jason Tatum and become friends with Jalen Brown. You saw Jalen Brown's post um, last night. It was just an incredibly sad story for so many reasons, but the main one being that you read this story and it just sounds like Terrence was an amazing person. Yeah, yeah, it's awful. Yeah, prayers for his his family um, and for everybody who was affected. It's just, you know, one of those stories, you know, everybody, a lot of these guys just fight so hard to get to the league and you just, it's just an unimaginable story, really. It's just, it's just, hor- just horrible. So, um, yeah. It is, and I'm, I'm sure the NBA, do, NBA will, is going to do something very nice for him in, in, in his honor at the draft. Um, yeah. So, obviously, there's no easy way to transition from a topic like that, but we are now going to move into the most interesting thing of this past week, Andrew. Yeah, so this year we're, we're about to start looking up and down this rookie class in search of the best 10 players in the class to choose for the all-rookie team. And if you don't remember... The all-rookie team can be composed of just the 10 best players. It doesn't have to be positions. So you can have a whole team of centers if you'd like, uh, which is one of the nicer things about voting for this is that you literally just pick the best 10 guys uh, from this class. Uh, Choosing the best rookies can be super tough, and it certainly uh, doesn't project what their careers will be. So, Alex, the following guys made an all-rookie team. And I'm going to have, after this, you got to tell me which of these players made an all-rookie first team. I think there's one that you will get for sure. Uh, Yogi Ferrell, mm-hmm. Billy Hernan Gomez, spelled Willie, pronounced Billy, Langston Galloway, Kyle Singler, Tyler Zeller, Marshawn Brooks, and Landry Fields. <laughs> Two of those players made the all-rookie first team. Okay, I think one of them is Landry Fields. I knew you'd get that one because it was in <laughs> our, one of our trivia games. Yes, Landry Fields w- was on the all-rookie first team as a Nick, by the way. Big shouts yeah. to the Knicks. Uh, and the other one, I don't. I'm gonna go with Kyle Singler. Is it Singler? It was not Singler. Billy Hernan Gomez was on the all-rookie first team, wow. Alex. No <laughs> so, no wonder he got so hyped, because I remember back in the day, listening to Dunked On, they loved Willie oh Hernan Gomez. Goodness. Yes. Talked about him all the time. Oh. It, apparently, it was justified, Andrew. So many mistakes were made in the draft that year. Well, apparently not. Rookie, rookie years don't always mean something. So it got me thinking, did they do right on last year's all-rookie team? Because now we've had a chance to really get a look at these guys, and certainly some of them, the answer is yes. Some of them, the answer is no. So here is the all-rookie first team from last season, Alex. John Morant, Kendrick Nunn, Brandon Clark, Zion Williamson, and Eric Pascal. That's Mm. the first team. Second Mm -hmm. team, Tyler Hero, Terrence Davis, Kobe White, P.J. Washington, and Rui Hachimura. So that's that's the all-second team. And so I thought, Alex, it might be fun to do an all-sophomore team to see if it matches up with the all-rookie team. That sounds and very so, fun, Andrew. And so I did some investigating, just looking at stats, and I've been watching all of these guys throughout the season, and I thought, let's put together a 
person roster and create a team and see how it compares to the all-rookie team. So here are my locks. And tell me if you disagree with any of these. Zion Williamson, who leads the class in points per game, free throw attempts, PR, all those fun things. He's a lock. Got to lock him in. Agree. John Morant. Even though John Morant has had somewhat of a disappointing sophomore season, uh, his shooting hasn't gotten better. He's had moments where he's kind of faded a little bit. But still, he's helping the Grizzlies win. And he's still been a highly productive player. So John Morant... A lock. My next guy who didn't make the all-rookie first or second team that I'm locking him in is R.J. Barrett. Yeah, I was actually, I went back to look at the all-rookie team because I was thinking of him. I was like, because he's an obvious lock. So he, he, I didn't hear Andrew say his name. I was just double-checking. He really didn't yeah. make even the second team because, yeah, he's didn't even make easy it. lock. Easy lock. Easy lock. One of the reasons. he's one. Of, I think he's second in minutes in the NBA. And he's one of the big reasons why the Knicks have made this jump. And Julius Randle gets a ton of credit. I think a little bit more should go to R.J. Barrett because he's had to adjust a lot. R.J. Barrett has been the man at every stop that he's made until he got to the league. And he was somewhat the man last year, and maybe his inefficiency is why he didn't make it last mm-hmm. season, which I still is think is kind of a trash reason, but... Uh, he's improved a lot this year. Even his passing has gotten much better. So those are my locks. That's it. Here's the the end of the locks. I think that's it. I think that's it. So the next category is they should make the team, but you aren't going to be mad if they're on the second team. So if they slip to the second team, because I have three guys here, and if one of them was on the second team, you'd be like, eh, all right, that's fine. They should be on it, though. Like there's their lock. So those are my first team locks. The first three. Okay, okay. They're locks to make the first team. These guys are locks to make like the all rookie first or second. Right. All right. Michael Porter Jr. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm looking at the basketball reference draft. Of course, he wasn't drafted in that year, but that was his rookie right. year. Yes. Oh, he's a lock. Come on. How is he not a lock? I would be I'm shocked if he was on the second team, Andrew. DeAndre Hunter. Now, I would say if DeAndre Hunter had played the full season, yeah, I would also lock him, and I realize that makes I'm up to five. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Darius Garland. Who's had a very underrated season for Cleveland. Yes, he's been I, he's been much better than people realize. So with the injury to Hunter, because he really was, I mean, he was incredible. And I know he, that's it, that. Yeah, and it, it gets people you really saying excited. He's the best player on the Hawks. People that watch the Hawks every night were saying that that's the best player on the team. It's not Trey Young. It's right. him. He's the reason. And that's why, like, there's tons of reasons for Hawks fans to be excited right now about their team. But the idea yeah. that bringing DeAndre Hunter back at some point, fully healthy mm-hmm. on this team, is just awesome. But because he did get hurt, I think, yes, Garland and MPJ, first team. And I feel great about that. I have no yeah. no hesitations whatsoever. Yeah, I agree. I just think DeAndre Hunter, at the end of the day, could be one of the best four, three or four guys in this class. I Absolutely. And, and that, that speaks to how suddenly good this class looks. I feel way better about this class than I did last year. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting because one of the kind of highlights of that class was Tyler Hero, who's kind of had this weird, really weird season with the Heat. Yeah. But there have been so many other guys that have stepped up um, in his place that I'm interested to see if he makes your second team. Yeah. Because there's so many so the- guys you could choose from. Yeah, here's so we have four four slots left, and 
there are going to be honorable mentions that if one of these guys slid in and you took one of these other guys out, I totally get it. Uh, starts with Lugens Dort. Alex wow. was not Jumping drafted. straight to Dort. I knew you'd get there. I didn't know you'd start us off there. The jump that he's made this season, and we talk about it all the time on Down to Dunk, but it's significant. Not only is he an elite defender, he can handle, he can drive the lane, he hasn't finished well at the rim, but he can still get there. Uh, he shot the ball well from just about everywhere. I mean, it's it's been a renaissance for Lou Dort. It has, but if if you were a neutral observer, if you were just a, a non-Thunder fan, and you're just going on the basketball reference, hey, let me see how Dort's been doing. I'm pretty sure he's still shooting under 40% from the field. Sure. Not great. It's not great. I still think... I just don't know how many of these guys, certainly there are guys on here that could do this, but the dude scored 42 in a game. How many of these guys are you throwing the ball to and they're like, go get us 42 and they can deliver? I didn't think that was in Lou Dort. When they brought him in as an undrafted player, I didn't think he had, I didn't think that was possible. Even if you gave him 60 shots, I would have been like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he'd get there. I don't know. And see, like 32 shots. This is where, you know, I don't want to let my uh, Thunder Homer glasses take over here because what what I'd like to hear from like a neutral observer is yeah but would you really want Dort over let's say Tyler Hero or over Rui Hachimura who's had a really nice second maybe maybe over Rui Tyler Hero I question a little bit but the defense stuff is real it's real like I don't question whatsoever throwing him out there against anybody no I just because you have a base a base level defense Tyler Hero you're gonna have to worry a little bit about him on some level Okay, all right. Just well, saying. Who, tell me who your other three are. I've got Cam Johnson from the Suns, oh, okay. who's been yeah. super good off the bench. Also developed a lot as an offensive player. He showed a little bit more at the beginning of the season, but he's shown a dribble drive game. He's shown the ability to be a closer for them, and he holds up well enough on defense, and just finding those kind of guys is really difficult. I also have Keldon Johnson from the Spurs. Wow. On this. Okay. The, I, the only reason I'm making these sounds is because I'm looking at all the names that you're going to have to leave off of, of it's a good. Cl- it's a good. It's a good class. This no, is I know, kind of I part know, of the. It's a part of the exercise here, uh, and then I did did give a spot to Tyler Hero at the end, um, just because he's certainly taken a step back, but he's still a productive player. I, that shooting number has got to get better for him, and he played really well in the bubble, but he's shooting. You know, below league average from three on a ton of attempts. And I just have to believe that will get better. Um, I had a hard time leaving Matisse Tybel off of the list for similar reasons to Dort. And that just because Dort does have an offensive game, I had to include him and not Matisse. But Matisse's defense, I, I the way he defended Devin Booker the other night, I've never seen anybody do that. <laughs> I've never seen anybody defend like that. He's got the length. He's got the athleticism. Uh I really like him. He's just a nothing. That that night was like perfect for him because he was the best defender on the court and had zero points, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, so looking at the – I think the two names that you would get the biggest criticisms for not including them are, are kind of similar in a way. Rui Hachimura mm-hmm. and P.J. Washington. Similar in that if you look at both of those guys' stats, rookie year to sophomore year, they are very similar. Yeah, those guys. Yeah. Those guys established themselves in the rookie year and have basically done the same thing statistically. What is yeah. different, though, 
In PJ's case, he's played almost half of his minutes at the center position, which I think mm-hmm. is really significant for his development. And then Rui, yes, he's basically averaging the exact same stats as last year, but he has shown mm-hmm. so much more scoring versatility than he did last year, um, yeah. including like a, a recent run. I think it was back in back in March where he had a couple games in a row, including I forget what the high score game in that in that stretch was. I think it might have been against the Warriors, um, but a really impressive stretch. So th- those are the two guys that I think would have the biggest complaint from from who'd their you take, respective Who would you take off? Who would you take off of my list to add Rui? <sighs> Keldon? Yeah, maybe. I, I So Keldon had an Cam? amazing start to the season. Yeah. Um, it has definitely tailed off as it's gone on throughout sure. the season. I mean, he is a guy who can have games where he's just putting up four points. And yeah. and I know all this because he was on my fantasy team the entire season, <laughs> and it was it was a it was a roller coaster season after that initial burst, because yeah. he he popped on the scene and like I mean I know that he had like a twenty nine point game mixed in there, um, mm-hmm. he would probably be the guy I'd take off. Um, mm-hmm. But but to your larger point, I mean you're the same point holds for Rui though. Like Rui has games where he'll just scores like six points here, four points there. It's true. Um, it's, he it's did tough. have a nice stretch. So so from March 13th through April 1st, Rui was in double figures throughout that entire stretch and had a 30-point game and a 21-point game. Yeah, I think he's been good. He even had 29 and 11 against Milwaukee in a loss. Yeah. Uh, he's been great. He's been impressive. Uh, I He was one that I probably worried the most about and i almost put him on there instead of hero just because you don't you don't have to match position for position with this um also kobe white honorable mention Nikhil alexander walker honorable mention and uh who if he played more might be on there and then brandon clark too has had a strange season for the grizzlies where he has just hasn't shot the ball well and then is has not been a good rebounder and uh, there's just some, been some struggle with Brandon Clark for his second season. And I also think, not as an honorable mention, but just as a guy who I had almost given up on last year, which, in retrospect, very stupid. But Jackson Hayes, the way he has played yeah. over the last month, mm-hmm. I, I just – he completely changed the way I thought about him. Because, honestly, he was I'd a given guy – I given up on him as you know, earlier this season. <laughs> right, given up yeah. On him. <laughs> um, he has really turned it around. And so, again, yeah. just looking over this draft, I mean – even the top 13, the only guys you have like significant questions about, I think Jarrett Culver would be number one. Um, he went number six in that draft. And then Cam Reddish. Oh, yeah. I, for, I, um, I forget about him. Those are the two him. guys that I, I have the straight, biggest yeah. question marks. Yeah, Cam, Cam Reddish is certainly one of them. And he should be higher on – he should be on this list. He's got the talent to be there. Um Kendrick Nunn also noticeably missing from this list. He his season has been better than what people think it has. Um, I just still don't don't love him as a player, but he's been he hasn't been bad. It hasn't been that much different uh, from last season. And then you talk about guys that are playing twenty plus minutes for this team. Like Kobe, I don't know if I mentioned Kobe White as honorable mention, but he's there as well. Uh, but then guys that are playing twenty minutes or more that are in this class. Uh, Moses Brown, Isaiah Roby, Ty Jerome all play for OKC, all kind of lower-level NBA players. They've all shown something at some point in the season. 
uh, but not good enough. And then Darius Baisley as well, an OKC guy. The Thunder are playing a surprising number of these sophomores this year, and most of them with kind of okay results outside of Dort. Uh, Baisley's had nice stra- Baisley's played well lately, but he has been one of the worst players in plus minus all season for the Thunder, so I just can't put him on there. Uh, and then our guy KPJ down in Houston. KPJ. Uh, yeah. I can't I can't bring to put myself to put him on this list. He hasn't played enough games. I think he's played twenty one games total. So, yeah. Yeah, he can't he cannot be on this list. But But yeah, that was that was a fun exercise because that, that was a this is a great draft class. It's yeah, super I, deep. It is deep. There are there are legitimately fifteen guys that I would say like, okay, like they have a big time future in the NBA. And guys like Kobe White and Rui and Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Brandon Clark and Tyler Hero, like, they have a chance to be great players, and there's a chance that they wouldn't make this kind of team. Uh, so I, I don't know. H- hats off to, to this class and th- the top of it with Zion. I mean, if, if Zion had better pieces around him, I think that we, you know, he would be talked about way more, even though he is talked about a lot. Uh, but he's been unbelievable and then having John Moran RJ Barrett like this it's a good class it's a deep class so uh, I just thought I just thought it would be interesting and those guys are all impacting this league uh, one way or another so big big shouts to the sophomores okay now for my most interesting thing of the week it is the suddenly very interesting race for the play-in tournament in the Eastern Conference now there's been a lot of talk about the play-in tournament over these last couple of weeks, kind of started with Luca coming out against it, and then Mark Cuban backed him up. And then anyone who was against the play in tournament used that as an opportunity to relitigate the play in tournament, talk about how they never liked it in the first place. But you look at the Eastern Conference right now, and the race for this play in tournament has all of a sudden gotten very, very interesting. Now, the, the Heat are kind of in it no matter what. Like they, I mean, they could potentially even move up to the sixth seed and get out of this play-in tournament. They are six games ahead of the team that is currently 11th, which is the Bulls and the Raptors. But you look beyond that, so the Raptors are only a half a game out. The Bulls are half a game out. The Wizards are in 10th place. And they're only two games back of the Pacers, only three games back of the Hornets. So what I wanted to do, Andrew, I came up with 10 questions okay. about these teams one of these six teams is the answer to every single question I'm about to ask you, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And these are questions that I think will make you uh, maybe think about these teams differently. And at the end of it, <laughs> I then want you to rank which of these teams you are most confident in making the playoffs. Not just making the play-in, okay. making the playoffs. Okay. Yep. Can do. First Can question. Do. And as a reminder, Miami, Charlotte, Indiana, Washington, Chicago, Toronto. All right. This team has the most clutch time minutes in the entire league. So when you're thinking about a playoff team, you want a team that's battle-tested. You could argue this is Mm -hmm. the most battle-tested team in the league. Most clutch time minutes. Is it the Wizards? It is the Pacers. The Pacers. The Pacers. Never would have thought. This team is tied with Boston with the most losses in clutch time games with 22. Is it the Pacers? It is the Toronto Raptors, who are 11-22 and 22 in clutch time games. I think that's interesting because it suggests, close. you know, if they got just a little luckier in these super close games, they would have a much better record. Mm-hmm. Next, this team 
has the best net rating in the league when it comes to clutch time. They're the best team in the league in the clutch. When it's close at the end of the game, this is the team you want. And it's one of these six teams. Oh, my word. That is weird. Um, goodness. Boston? I don't know. Well, that is not one of the six teams that you can choose, Andrew. So I will give you oh, another I'm sorry. chance. They're right outside of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a guaranteed way to uh, lose. Is to pick a team that is not on the list, of course. Oh, I'll go with the Zards. No, it is Charlotte. The Charlotte Hornets are 16 and 8 in clutch time games. In clutch time, they're the number one offense in the league and the number two defense in the league. Scary Terry, scary time. Isn't that Terry, crazy? scary time. Oh, my word. Okay, one more clutch time question. This team has the worst offense in the league in clutch time. <laughs> 30th ranked offense when the game gets tough at the end of the game Miami that is correct okay <laughs> I don't really care if you can use correct or not but uh you did get I that do. one correct I definitely I definitely care <laughs> <laughs> okay I'm fuming right now but even in those first four questions like aren't you already thinking about these teams differently Andrew who are you gonna rank first okay this team takes the most corner threes per game in the league with 12 per game we think about the corner three being a very smart play. You know, it's a, the easiest three-pointer you can hit. Well, this team, this maybe the smartest team, taking the most amount per game. Twelve. Hmm. Hmm. Charlotte, that's not Charlotte, is it? It is Charlotte. Now, I would okay. have guessed Miami because I'm thinking like Eric Spolstra. They're actually number two. But, yes, yeah, Charlotte is the number one team in terms of corner threes per mm. game. What about mm. this one? This team takes more shots in the restricted area than any team in the league. Restricted area. Yes, exactly. You're on a roll yeah. now. you got three in a row. Okay, next one. Over the past two weeks, this team has the best defense in the league. Number one defense in the league over the last two weeks. Miami? Washington Wizards. That's fake. <laughs> okay, that okay, I did make that one up. No, that is true, Andrew. <laughs> that is true. The Wizards. Best defense in the wow. league. Okay, uh, what about this one? You, this one I think you will get. This is the only team out of these six with an offense and a defense in the top half of the league. So a top 15 offense and a top 15 defense. You put pressure on me by saying that I would know the answer. Well... Yeah, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I don't either. Um, is that Miami? That is the Toronto Raptors. Gosh, the Raptors have been so miserable. I know, but it goes How back to that, that the, the clutch time games. Like 22 of their losses it, are close games. I know, but it also... Some of that is random. I, I think I, some of it is random. Some of it is like some doofus, some doofusy stuff going on with the Raptors. For sure. Certainly. For sure. But as as that last question speaks to, like, top 15 offense, top 15 defense. Like, they have both sides of the ball. Okay, this team has only six wins against teams that are 500 or better. The only teams with fewer such wins are OKC and Minnesota. Ooh, yuck. Yeah, um, yuck. Big yuck. <laughs> Chicago? I don't know. Yes, it is Chicago. And why okay, is this relevant? Yeah, but- uh, if you look at strength of schedule for the rest of the season, Chicago has the fourth most difficult 
strength of skips. <laughs> they are so screwed. Yeah, so oh that, that might influence gosh. your ranking coming up. Okay, final question. This is an interesting one. The only teams in the league with fewer wins against Eastern Conference opponents than this team are Minnesota and Houston. So only the two worst teams in the league who are, by the way, in the Western Conference have fewer wins against Eastern Conference opponents. Chicago? Washington Wizards. They're the weirdest team. They also have like more Western Conference wins against most of the Eastern Conference teams or compared to... Yeah, I cannot stand that team. That team drives me so crazy. I get to go see them live in person tonight. Oh, that's cool. We're recording this on a Friday. Okay, so Andrew, you now probably feel like you know a little bit more about these teams, what they've been like. Sure. So how would you rank these six teams in terms of your confidence in them making the playoffs? I think that I put Charlotte number one. Really? (laughs) Okay. I do. I got LaMelo coming back, yeah, which sure. I think matters quite a bit. Terry Rozier has been awesome. Gordon Hayward has been awesome. What's Gordon Hayward's um, status, by the way? Do we know? No idea. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I just like what they've got. I love the mix that they've got. Um, I'll probably put the number one. I probably put. I should put Miami number one, but I just feel like I need to throw some shade at Miami. Um, but I'll put Miami number two on this list. I just think that they're they're too good to even be in this conversation. I would agree. Uh, I would I agree. So, but they, they are. really should be a number. <laughs> they're in this conversation, and because of that, I knock them down a peg. Because <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, you shouldn't be here, and therefore, you can't be my number one team. Uh, three, I put Indiana at three. Really? Okay. Uh, see, the only the, the only thing I question is the is the injury stuff with them. Yeah. Everything exactly. else, like I don't I don't get. They shouldn't be here either. But I, the injury stuff is a lot of the reason why. So I still have confidence in them. As long as I can get Domas back. We don't really know. Miles Turner's out indefinitely. Yeah, that's the one that worries me. Yeah, I mean, that is that is certainly concerning. But if you get Domas back, I kind of believe in them more. Oh, boy. And then I, I will put the Wizards here. Um, and then Toronto and then the Bulls. Okay. Um, the Bulls last, like the and the Bulls shouldn't be there either. But man, they've been absolutely miserable since the trade, and you have the Zach Levine debacle. I mean, it's just one thing after another where the Bulls just continue to just sink down. And the rap, the Raptors, you know, they're. I just don't know what to think about them. They just continue to not show up in a lot of ways. But then, like they've won four in a row playing nobody. Well, see, I mean. We witnessed that they 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 beat the Thunder, who were also playing nobody. It was it was the who he play for all stars out there. It was unbelievable. It was, but and and this might shock you, Andrew, but I think I would rank Toronto second on my list in terms of confidence. Even though that they are yeah. sixth in the standings right now, out of all these teams, I know. It, I just have seen them fall flat on their face so much. I produced one. I produced the Raptors reasonable show, which you should go listen to. Um, with Blake Murphy and Eric Kareen, they're awesome. And I listen to them and talk to them every week, and I just continue to watch the Raptors fall on their face just over and over and over again. The, all that is true. But the good news is that they are actually getting all of their guys back. So in that yeah. last game where they beat the Nets with Kyrie, 
they had Pascal, they had Kyle Lowry, OG's back, Fred Van Vliet's back, and they have Kim Birch now, who's actually yeah, playing a significant role for their team. <laughs> I know, because they didn't. They basically did not have a center. I know, I'm sorry sorry to Aaron Baines, but uh, they didn't have a center. Right. And I, I don't know. It was, he's actually just being a functional player has been helpful to them. But I just still, I just, I've seen it too much. And I do think that the Tampa stuff is real. And that, I, I'll say this, I might put them number one or number two on the list if at the start of next season. Yeah, where, if they were playing in Toronto right now, like if they suddenly got to go back to Toronto, yeah, would you feel better? Yeah, I w- no question, I would feel better. Yeah. I, j- I think that that's, I think it's, I think this team is just worn down. And for a stretch run, I don't have a lot of confidence in them. Okay, so your predictions are Charlotte and Miami as the 7 mm-hmm. 8, and my predictions, mm-hmm. Miami, Toronto. Yeah. They're going to go on a run, even though they actually have the <laughs> hardest strength of schedule of all these teams. Third I hardest. hope they do. I really like that team. I like I like the spirit of that team. I like a lot of the players on that team. I really Nick Nurse is freaking awesome. I love that guy. So I hope the best for them, but I just I they've done nothing to make me believe it's going to happen. Okay, with that Alex, we're going to take a quick break, but right after, we're going to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Andrew. Well, it's time again for the Wheel of Fandom, the segment each week where we spin a digital wheel. It chooses a team and we become fans of that team for the next week. Last week, the Wheel of Fandom landed on the Philadelphia 76ers, currently 39-20, and 20, tied for first in the East with the Milwaukee Bucks. The 76ers are 14th in offense, second in defense. Over this past week, it was a little rough. The Sixers went 1-3, win against the Clippers, but losses to the Warriors, Suns, and the aforementioned Bucks. So, Andrew, if the 76ers are our team on the Wheel of Fandom, who is our guest this week? It's my guy, Rich Hoffman. Rich, what's up? Not much, guys. Yeah, it's been a it's been a tough week for the Sixers. That's okay. <laughs> now, now it's all right. I'm here, so we can we can discuss it. <laughs> That's right. A lot of moral victories. It felt like yeah. this week for the Sixers. Oh yeah, uh, they were entertaining was, games. Was, the Suns game it. was incredible. Oh gosh, I don't know if this is. A, I don't think this is in our rundown, but that shot, that Joel Embiid 85 foot heave. I think it should have just counted anyways. To me, it's a highlight of the season, even though it didn't go in. Unbelievable. I agree. I said the second it happened, man, that might be the best shot I've ever seen. I don't even care that it didn't go in. I mean, it was to to even just get that off in like a realistic fashion is unbelievable. He had less than a second, turned his body, much less 
literally put it three quarters of the way down. It was insane. <laughs> yeah. And it was funny, kind of. I mean, that was definitely a moral victory type of uh, loss for the Sixers. But, man, what a capper for a moral victory type of loss. Literally, for real. you lose the game and everybody's like, wow, that shot that missed. I mean, it didn't go in. But, man, what a shot. <laughs> yeah. Poor Suns. Like, the Suns work so hard to get noticed by the world. And it's like, man, that miss that Joel had. Like, that's what we like. <laughs> They're, they dominate the whole game. They play great defense, all this stuff. Yep. No, look at that missed shot. Joel had MVP. Give it to him. Oh, so Joel has been an absolute monster. 30-11-3 on the season. I think he's one of two players in the past 40 years that will have averaged 30 or more points at the center position, which is just crazy to think about. Uh, career high and true shooting percentage, 64% crazy. So, so crazy. 71%. From zero to three feet, 48% in the mid-range and 38% from three. Career-high 31.1 PER. That paired with all he's done on the defensive end, has just, he's just been one of the best players in the league, no question. Um, obviously, like the MVP debate has been pretty strong recently, and it's leaning Jokic, but what are your thoughts on his candidacy this season? I mean, I think Jokic is going to win. I think he probably should win, too. Like, he's just played more games, and it's... I don't know. That that stinks for Joel because he's never going to be the guy who plays the most games. Like He's just going to, even in a season where things have gone relatively well, he's going to miss 10 games because, mm-hmm. you know, he hurts his knee. And frankly, like when that happened, it could have been a lot worse. So I don't know. It's tough. I, I feel bad for him. One, that he's not going to win the MVP, but he's also not going to make first team all NBA because they're only allowed to put one center on there. Mm. And Jokic, I imagine, will win that too. And he's yep. he's clearly been one of the best five players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like I think he at least deserves that. Um it, it's been an amazing year for him, though. And it's, you know, it's it's one of those things where he came into this year, he was frustrated with the fact that he did not make an all NBA team last year. And, you know, he was he was down, I would say, for him. But I think the point he is continually made is like, hey, a down year for me is still all NBA caliber. And frankly, like, you know, when you hear some of his comments, he's kind of mentioning like, hey, like everything else was completely screwed up last year, too, like around me. Like it wasn't completely my fault. I had no space to work with. Um, so he's had an amazing year. I don't think he's going to win MVP. I don't think it's like realistic just because Jokic is having – you know, if you want to argue that Joe is the per minute MVP, fine. Mm-hmm. I, I can I can get behind that if you throw in the defense and stuff. But Jokic has been so good and he's played all the games that, like, yeah, he's he's gonna win. Mm-hmm. Rich, I wanted to ask you about the addition of Doc Rivers because from the outside, it feels like his addition has completely changed the personality and approach of this team. In previous years, when I was high on the Sixers, it felt like I was always betting on their talent. Whereas this season, it feels like I'm betting on a real team. And obviously, I know you haven't been as close to the team this year due to COVID, but what has been different or what have you noticed about how they carry themselves compared to those previous seasons? So, yeah, it's it's definitely been different. And, and obviously, like, I've never met Doc Rivers before in person. You know? <laughs> right. Like, it's just been one of those weird seasons, you know. I, I guess I might have interviewed him, like, when he was a, a coach of another team or something like that. But yeah, it's been a weird season. I, I would say two things stand out to me with him. The uh, the first thing, and this was something that we kind of thought could happen, but he's known as a guy who empowers star players. Like if you have a star player and, and Doc Rivers is there, he's going to empower you to play your best. And I think he's probably two for three with the Sixers on that. If you 
consider like all-star level players. You know, we talked mm-hmm. about Embiid. He's having this crazy year. I think, I don't know what has gotten into Tobias Harris, but his, if you look at his career, his best basketball for some reason has been Doc Rivers Clippers, Doc Rivers Sixers for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's really doing anything dress like Doc. At the beginning of the year, he talked about, like, let's get him making quicker decisions, moving the ball, all these different things. I'm not really seeing that. I'm just seeing, like, the the mid-range swagger, the the post-up, the Tobias bully ball stuff. It's just working better than it has in the past. So, you know, he, he's definitely empowered those two. Ben Simmons has had a phenomenal defensive year. I, I think his offense, you, you could argue, like, yeah, I'm not sure Doc is completely – getting through to him on that end of the floor. So that would be the first thing. And then the other thing that I'm just very impressed with with Doc Rivers is, you know, we talked about how, like, I I don't really know him. I don't really get to see him. Like, this is a completely new team for the most part. Like, they're bringing in so many new players, young players. They have a whole new coaching staff. They have a whole new front office. There's a lot of of newness available, and they don't get to practice at all this year because they play this Mm -hmm. crazy Mm -hmm. jam-packed schedule. I mean, they had like, you know, eight days of training camp or something like that, and a couple guys were out for for COVID for that too. So for them to just be like generally this organized and to, you know, have a top two defense like we've seen, they they just look like they're generally on the same page. They have their off nights. They just had one last night in Milwaukee where they, they struggle a little bit, but I'm just impressed by how quickly he's pulled the whole thing together and has everybody moving in the same direction because they don't have a lot of time to, uh, to do that. Yeah. You mentioned Ben Simmons and his, his offensive has seemed to kind of stagnate this season. Uh, and he's been great on defense. You have to always say that. <laughs> you feel like you can't talk about Ben Simmons without also crediting him on defense, which you should. He's been wonderful. Uh, but what do you think is the next step for him as an offensive player? Is there another gear he can go to? Uh, what's next for Ben Simmons? Yeah, that, that's the tough thing. He's had, you know, he's been a hot and cold player throughout his career. Like he's had seasons where most of the season he was in attack mode. I thought last season, despite the Sixers struggling, he had a stretch there, and some of it was without Embiid, where he really, like, he started putting his head down and getting in the basket a lot. This year has been super weird. So he, so he starts out, and he's unbelievably passive, like, about as poorly as I've seen him play offensively. And it's funny, the line of demarcation is probably right around when James Harden gets traded to the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> and then <laughs> the middle part of this year, he was awesome. Man, he was averaging like 20 points a game. He had that huge 42-point game in Utah where he was taking the ball at Gobert. Um, Mm -hmm. He was getting to the free throw line like six, seven times a game. He was making 70% of those. I I think like realistically, if he's not going to add the obvious jump shot that we have talked about for four or five years now, whatever it's been, like there has to be a level of like getting to the line on a consistent basis – uh, attacking, trying to play through contact. I feel like, you know, he shoots a few too many hook shots and flip shots and things like that. And that's gotten into him into trouble. Like he had a, a really good 20 game stretch. That was the middle portion where he was attacking. And now he's like, he's not really making too many shots. Like if you look at his efficiency numbers, basically since the all-star break, I know he had a, um, he didn't have COVID, but his, his barber did, so he had a scare, so he was out of the lineup for a couple of games. 
he hasn't been as efficient as Piaz. And he's he's mentioned that. Like, he's like, I'm not playing up to my current standards. So, you know, honestly, like, what can he do to expand his game? I mean, he, he can try jump shots and, and, like, work on that type of thing. That's the obvious part right. of it. But I don't know. We're, we're just beating a dead horse at this point. I'm not sure if that's ever going to happen. There is a aggression, though, and, you know, it's it's a mentality of, like, wanting to play with force and through contact, which, you know, he can get to a certain level, you know, within, you know, the, the player he is right now in the middle of the season. It's just that that's got to happen more consistently than what we've seen. Yeah. So we already know that his name has been involved in trade rumors uh, this season. What would you per- what's the percentage chance that he is on the Sixers in two years? Wow, put me on the spot right now. Um, <laughs> I think it's probably. I, I think a lot of it is going to depend on what happens, you know, in these playoffs. Probably, um, yeah. And what his trade value? Like it's clear. Like Daryl Murray would have traded him for James Harden, which I, you know, <laughs> right. I think it. Yeah. To Ben's credit, at least he handled it that pretty well. You know, like honestly, that was the best he played all season when he mm-hmm. after that happened. So you know, it's clear that they are willing to move him for for something. I you know, I, I don't think it's like a fire sale or anything. I, I would probably put it at less than fifty percent. Like as much as we talk about the defense, and I think the the defense is phenomenal. Like he takes the the toughest matchup every game. Um, you know, with him and Matisse, like they, they really put string together some amazing defensive possessions. But sometimes I think that can be used as a crutch and, and he is not developed nearly as much as he probably should have offensively over those past couple of years. And I'm a little worried, like if he has another playoffs like we've seen where he's standing in the dunker spot, where he's he's not really handling the ball at the end of games like. You know, I think at some point, like Daryl Morey didn't draft him, so like he can say, okay, like let's let's move on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think these playoffs may, maybe they'll get another chance if the right deal doesn't come along. But but he has some things to prove uh, in terms of like working with Embiid because yeah. you know the other thing too I would say just real quick is like Embiid, it's not a guarantee he's going to be this good for for a long time for. A bunch of very mm. obvious reasons. No question. That, you know, like like hopefully he is. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I love watching him play. But the Sixers owe it to themselves and to him to be as all in as they can while they know they have this, you know, top five ish player in the league. Yeah, that's yeah. a great point. And like the obvious the obvious one is Bradley Beal, right? And that's and it's like a good like six a good trade for the Wizards too, because the Wizards don't want they pro- when they make a trade, they're probably not trying to get a billion draft picks like OKC. They're g- trying to be relevant. Like they they only want to be relevant. And Ben Simmons like keeps you there. And if you have maybe they draft a perimeter player this year, and they feel confident that maybe Ben Simmons could be a good fit next to them. I mean, to me that has always made a ton of sense for both teams. It's certainly just starting to make more sense than me. Maybe it's just because I've watched Ben play well and at his best. Maybe it's because Bradley Beal. Sometimes his teams have not been quite as quite blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I do think that is roughly fair value, though. Um, and it would make sense. Like, you know, Bradley mm-hmm. Beal probably doesn't have the upside of a Ben Simmons if he puts everything together, but he certainly can complement Joel Embiid better in a in a playoff series if Ben is just going to be this guy who we don't know exactly what his role is and he doesn't space the floor and all these things. So, yeah, I yep. agree. Mm-hmm. So uh, now looking ahead to the playoffs, we mentioned earlier that they're tied for the Nets for the number one seed, only two and a half games ahead of the Bucks. 
I'm assuming that the getting the number one seed and avoiding the Nets and the Bucks until the conference finals is the ideal scenario. In that scenario where they get the number one seed, is there a potential opponent in the first two rounds that concerns Sixers fans that they would also like to avoid? Is there a team that's had their number? Yeah, there, there's a few. Oh, no. It's not going to be like, look. Right now, I believe, like as we are recording this, the second round matchup would be Knicks Hawks. Okay, that might be one where they're like, okay, we're not, we're not <laughs> right. too worried about it. But, yeah. but if some of these other teams, I'll just, I'll throw three out right away. Um, Boston, and I, you know what? I think the Sixers are better than Boston this year. Boston has, ab- they probably guard Embiid worse than anybody in the league. People are still going to be terrified of those two wings. Of Brad Stevens, uh, of all that, like they have owned the Luke Cornett. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> they have owned those guys in the in the playoffs. I think uh, I think Miami would be pretty scary too. Like the Sixers have not mm-hmm. played them in a playoff series since I guess they did play them in the first round a few years ago and beat them. But you know, Jimmy coming back to town and you know the Heat with their their great run a season ago. I think that would be pretty scary for for Sixers fans. And then the other one, I'll just throw this out there. I don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs. But if Toronto somehow becomes the first-round opponent, um, mm. I don't even care. Like They have like Kem Birch now. They have all these other people. They have defended, and Embiid will straight up tell you this, they defend Embiid better than anybody. They get the ball out of his hands. They fly around and rotate like crazy people. You have Kyle Lowry anticipating three passes ahead and all these things. So, so I think all of those would be, you know, they, they, those would be fairly scary matchups. And, like, I, I don't want to say that the Sixers would um, automatically get past any of those teams because I think all of those teams could get, get, give them trouble. That said, like, they should get past them. They've been a better team than them this right. season. They have the best player. Um, but, yeah, I think there, there are a few that, uh, that, that would scare them a little bit in the first couple rounds. But they, they definitely do want that number one seed. That would, that would be a big deal, I think. Yeah. The Sixers have a lot of intriguing young guys to me, and they're all kind of like fringy type of young guys. Uh, but if you were to predict who the best young player on this team out of this group would be in the next couple of years, Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Teibel, Frickin' Cork Maz, Shake Milton, or B-Ball Paul. Oh, man. Who's the best player out of that group? I mean, B-Ball Paul's number one in my heart. but Right, he's got to be. I know, I know. I, I might move him, uh, move him down a little bit. You know, honestly, before the season, I might have said, Shake Milton was the best player of that group. He just, you know, he's he's had some big scoring games. He's a little bit more of a well-rounded player. I uh, I was pretty high on him. He's he, we're catching Shake at a rough time right now, though. He's not playing so hot. He's uh, yeah, he had a rough week. Yeah, I mean, he had the the, the Suns game we mentioned the other night. Honestly, like they, they played pretty well for a shorthanded team in that Suns game. If Shake Milton plays an average game. They might win that. Like he was, he yeah. was that bad. Yeah, he was just making the wrong decision at all times. So I think the most interesting, and, and Maxi, I think is is pretty interesting too. He's, he's a rookie. He needs to learn how to shoot. That, that's a big part of of his value. He needs to get fouled a little bit more for a guy who's so quick and gets to the rim like that. Um, by a mile, like the most interesting guy of that group though is Thibault to me. Uh, I don't think yeah. he's just such a weird player. Like. The defense is so good and so unique in a mm-hmm. weird way. He's kind of like a junior version of Ben Simmons a little bit where, I mean, some of the stuff he does on the defensive end, like 
he's had, I'd say, three blocks in the past week where, like, he's not even in the picture when the guy is, like, shooting a jump shot. And he gets it easily, yeah. spots it into the third row. And, you know, he's got all those reach behind steals. And I would say, too, like, his defense, the man-to-man defense has gotten a little bit better, too. Like, look, I'm not sure mm-hmm. they're going to be able to stop Brooklyn. I'm not sure anybody's going to be able to stop Brooklyn. But, like, if you have him in the game against Kyrie Irving, like, I, I don't feel good about that. But I, I feel better than pretty much a lot of players, like, like putting him on Kyrie Irving. Um, his offense is so bad, though. It's it's so bad. He, <laughs> it is. I mean, like he's he's not a very good shooter. He's been hovering around thirty percent all year. He is a reluctant shooter. His ball handling is weak. Like his decision making is not very good. And that's going to be the big test, right? Because I think in a lot of sets, this this playoffs, like you're going to want him on the floor in some key situations because the defense is that good. Like it really really is. But mm-hmm. man, I just wonder, like with the amount of space Embiid needs to play, it could be tough. It could, it could be tough because, like, they already have Ben Simmons who they can double off a little bit. You add Matisse Thibel to the uh, to the mix, it'll be a little bit dicey. He's going to he's gonna have to make those spot-up threes, and, you know, I guess the Sixers are hoping, like, maybe he has a month where he's, he's hot and they're going in. But he's, uh, I like, I could accept a bunch of different scenarios with him, like where he could become – who's like sure. Bruce Bowen on steroids and he's playing on good teams for all of his career and he's making those jumpers or he's just this really tricky player who's you know a little bit tough to slot at times I could see either of those yeah he's yeah he's 2021 Andre Robertson in so many ways and that he like plays like that same role that Robertson played with Russ and KD and he's got these big you know stars to play around too uh in Philly. It's just, he's, I love him. I love the way he defended Devin Booker. I've never seen anybody defend Devin Booker like that. That was unbelievable. It's like fun to watch. It's it's not just that he's good at, good at, and Bede's good at defense, but he's good at defense by like, just negating people at the rim. Like, hey, you're not even going to try. Right. Matisse like baits people into doing stuff and then comes out of nowhere like a superhero or something like that and blocks it. Yeah, his his work mm-hmm. on Booker the other night was great. It was honestly like the at the end that win super impressive. Like he had to run I felt like a mile to just shake Thibel. So <laughs> You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like it's been done. You know, I didn't want to <laughs> I was like I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion and I'm Shay Serrano and we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.
You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, well, thank you, Rich, for answering our questions, but it is now time to test your Sixers' knowledge. It is once again once again, time for Andrew versus the Beat, the game show every week where Andrew goes head-to-head with a beat writer. Of course, this week it is 76ers beat writer Rich Hoffman. Now, Rich, how this game works is there are eight trivia questions. You're going to give me a number between one and eight that will correspond to a trivia question. The question may be super easy or it may be very hard. If you get it right, you'll get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one point. After that, Andrew will choose a question and we'll go back and forth until we've answered all the questions. So to start us off, Rich, all I need is a number between one and eight. Let's do four. All right, number four. The most assists in a game in Sixers franchise history is 21, which was accomplished by these two Sixers. All right, Maurice Cheeks is going to be one. Okay. And then, why not? I don't know why I'm saying this. He's not as much of a passer, but let's let's go with Allen Iverson with 21. All right, that is incorrect. Mm. Andrew, you have a chance to steal on the first question. The two Sixers in franchise history who have accumulated 21 assists in a game. I'll say Mo Cheeks as well, just because that sounds really smart. Okay, uh, it does sound very smart. And then I'll go Andre Miller. Andre Miller. Andrew, that is also incorrect. Now, Mo Cheeks was correct. Okay. Who who was the other person? Well, it's the answer to every NBA trivia question. It was Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain. Will the still 21 assists. Ouch. Okay, Andrew, it's your time to choose a question. Uh, Number one. Number one, my favorite question. The process Sixers era peaked or bottomed out with the 2015-2016 Philadelphia 76ers team, a team that won 10 games total. While the roster may not have been good at the time, that Sixers team had seven players who started at least one game for an NBA team this year. We are going to name all of those players. Now, here, this is how this is going to work. Andrew's going to give me a name. Then we're going to go to Rich. He'll give me a name. We'll go back and forth until you get all of them correct, which probably won't happen, or until one of you stumbles. So, Andrew, I need you to tell me a player who was on that 10-win team who started at least one game for a team this year. Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant is correct. All right, back to Rich. Uh, Neurons Noel. That is correct. Back to Andrew. Robert Covington. That is correct. Back to Rich. Did did Ish Smith start a game? 
Ish Smith started, I think, two games this year. So that is oh correct. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Andrew. Oh, no. <laughs> a lot of pressure on you, Andrew. There's three names left. TJ McConnell. TJ McConnell did start a game this year. That is correct, <sighs> Andrew. Only two names left. Well, if we're okay. if we're going with the guys on the team, is is Embiid count? Oh, I did not even consider that. But he was on the team. He was team. Um, all year. Oh no, you've 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 put the game master in a terrible right, situation. Do I count that? <laughs> uh, you know what? Oh, I was I was going to count right. it because it is true. Yeah. And also, I want Andrew to lose, so we're going to count Joel Embiid. <laughs> no. So it's now going back. To Andrew. Was Christian Wood wow. on that team? Wow. Andrew, that is correct. Okay. Which means that we have one name left. One name left. left. Oh, man. A guy who played on the 10 win Sixers and has started at least one game for an NBA team this season. Uh, is it Jakar Sampson by any chance? It is not. He has played in 21 games this year, but he did not start. The other one who also played but did not start would be Jaleel Okafor. But there was yeah, one yeah, more name. Andrew, do you know who it was? I think it's Rashawn Holmes. It is, is Rashawn Holmes. Right? Oh, my gosh. Holmes. Of course it is. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. Andrew. Dude, we chocked full of guys. Uh, I know. That's honestly yeah. like the takeaway from this. Like, There's a ton of guys who were on that 10-win team. Because you look at back at that like Bobcats team that was terrible – like all those guys were out of the league within like a couple of years. Oh, they had years. nobody. Yeah. <laughs> they had absolutely nobody. Okay, Rich, it is your turn picking a number between 1 and 8. Let's do uh let's do 2 then. All right, number 2. Who is the Sixers franchise leader for most career three-pointers made? Allen Iverson. That is absolutely correct, Rich. Okay, mm-hmm. Andrew. It is tie game, 2 to 2. Five. Number five. Who am I, Andrew? I am a Hall of Famer, coached an NBA team to their only title, was an ESPN commentator, and was also the Sixers GM who traded away Wilt Chamberlain. Any guesses, Andrew? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. All right. Well, then we'll go to Rich. He can steal it for one point. Who is it? I believe that is Dr. Jack Ramsey. That is correct, Dr. Jack Ramsey. Obviously led the Trailblazers to their only championship, ESPN commentator, and I didn't realize that he was the Sixers GM who traded away Will Chamberlain. Okay, it is Rich's turn. He can start pulling away here. Let's go with three, I guess. All right, number three. When the Syracuse Nationals moved to Philadelphia in 1963, the organization held a contest to name the new team. To ensure newspaper coverage, the owner at the time asked three beat writers to be the judges and choose the new name. After the 76ers was chosen as the name, one of the beat writers, Jack Kaiser, claimed that the beat writers had actually agreed on a completely different name for the new team. What was that name? Now, I'm going to give you five uh, multiple choice, and one of the answers is correct. So we have the Patriots, Admirals, Athletics... Commodores or Colonials? I'll go with the one that I think is the dumbest, I guess. I think I, I guess I'm gonna say it's the Commodores, is is what my guess is. The Commodores. The Commodores is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal for one point. 
What was the name the beat writers originally chose? Patriots, Admirals, Athletics, or Colonials? Patriots. Patriots. What a guess, Andrew. It's wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> the correct answer was the Colonials. The Philadelphia Who Colonials. Knew? <laughs> Who knew? Okay, Andrew, there's only uh, three questions left. Six, seven, or eight. Uh, let's go eight. Number eight. In a 2016 interview with Complex... Allen Iverson said that he frequented he frequented this national chain restaurant so often <laughs> while living in Philadelphia that the location he went to became the fourth most profitable franchise for that chain restaurant in the United States. What was the chain restaurant? I'll say Burger King. I don't know. Oh, what a guess. Burger King. Have it your way. No, Andrew. <laughs> All right, Rich, what is the correct answer? Well, honestly, there were two, but I think if you said chain restaurant, there, there was there was hands on City Line, but TGI Fridays is the one that uh, that he met. So. Wow, that is some deep knowledge. I did not know about the first one, but yes, TGI Fridays is correct. Okay, Rich, two questions left. Number six or number seven? Let's do number seven. All right, number seven. This sixer is one of only five NCAA players to average 20 points and 20 rebounds during their college career. I'm going to say Charles Barkley. That's not All right, Charles Barkley. That is incorrect. Mm -hmm. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. This sixer, one of only five NCAA players to average 20 points and 20 rebounds. I'll just say <laughs> Wilt Chamberlain, because if it, even if it's wrong, I still will regret not saying it. Well, guess what, Andrew? It is wrong, because that would be the easy answer, and I was actually shocked by this, because I actually went and looked up. How did Wilt not average 20 rebounds per game? And he didn't. It was Dr. J. Okay, Andrew, you can tie it. You can tie the game with the final question, okay? Okay. You've never had a tie. You've always lost. This would be a big, this is a big first step for you. Okay. It would be. Beginning with the Drew Holiday trade at the 2013 draft, the Sixers began a multi-year process that included several losing seasons in a row. During the process years, how many times did Philadelphia finish with the worst record in the league? <laughs> <laughs> Andrew is stressing right yeah. now. He's gotten, th he's gotten this close so many times it's before. Good. I think it's happened three say times. Say once. I'll say once. Final answer is once. Right. Andrew, that is correct. Andrew, yes! you have tied a beat writer. <laughs> four to four. Now, people out there might be saying, why can't you have a, a tiebreaker? Well, that would give Andrew another chance to win. So we don't have tiebreakers here. He can only tie. So congratulations to Andrew. Oh, maybe one day. Maybe one day I'll beat somebody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Rich, thanks so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Go read all of Rich's stuff at The Athletic. Uh, he's wonderful. He's great on podcasts. He's great. He, in fact, go listen to him. Sixers Beat podcast every week. It's a great, great show. So go listen to that and uh, make sure you read him, too. Thanks, Rich. All right, guys. That was fun. <laughs> Okay, Andrew, it is now time to spin the wheel again. We have 21 teams remaining. We have gone through nine, almost a third of the league, Andrew. Wow. Let's see who we get this week when we spin the wheel of fandom. Oh, my Al. The wheel of fandom team this week will be... 
the Sacramento <laughs> Kings. Oh, we had talked about how much we had feared to get this team, the Sacramento oh, Kings. Oh, so scary. Oh, no. All right. Oh, boy. We we might have to have a crossover episode with tampering and bring on Sam Amick over to talk Kings. Um Oh boy, what a uh, what a treat! What a selection! <laughs> what a time! Uh, get get ready, Alex, because uh, you're about to waste some of your <laughs> nights this week watching the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> oh man, what a draw! Uh, thanks again so much for listening to our show. We really do appreciate it. Alex, before we go, I did want to read an Apple Podcast review that we got. Make sure that you go on Apple Podcasts, hit five stars, and then leave us a Slam and Jam review. And we will read it here on the pod. This is from at Berman iTunes. It says, Alex and Andrew are great on Down to Dunk, and they're especially great on Saturday Slam and Jam. Very impressed with them. Great show. Thank you so much. And then from Dan Mayan says, this show is just the best. Alex and Andrew do an amazing job. They have great insight, and the show is entertaining and funny. Says, Andrew, I got faith that you will win trivia one time. Well, I'm getting closer. I tied. I tied this week. Maybe next week I can win. Uh, Thanks so much for listening to our show. Be sure to go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for $3.99 a month. We really do appreciate you guys tuning in, and we will talk to you guys again next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.